In the WSJM Newsroom, I'm Ken Lundberg. State Representative Joey Andrews has formally introduced his plan to regulate short-term rentals and says it will help the state keep an eye on the activity and help communities enforce local regulations. However, not everyone is supportive of the plan. George Lucas is a realtor with Remax Harbor Country. He's also running for state office, hoping to face Andrews in November. He tells us Andrews is approaching the short-term rental question from the wrong direction, creating unnecessary bureaucracy and taxes. There's two rights that are competing, and the solution is to provide a balance. And the two rights are, one, the private property right to rent one's property, and then the other principle is for the neighbors to have the quiet enjoyment of their property. Lucas says as a realtor, he interacts with many buyers who face a patchwork of short-term rental barriers. There seems to be an insatiable demand for people who want to buy homes as an investment and get their return by using them as a short-term rental. And the moratoriums and caps have impacted their ability to do so. Lucas says the legislature should determine the point at which residential property becomes commercial. That is, how are long-term rentals not also commercial? Southwestern Michigan Association of Realtors Executive Alan Jeffries tells us he's also opposed to the legislation out of support for property rights. Andrews' legislation would create a registry of short-term rentals and add a 6% excise tax. The city of Bridgman has officially designated the downtown courtyard as a park. Bridgman Parks Director Sarah Ball tells us the courtyard on Lake Street came together as a result of a partnership involving the city, Bridgman Corridor Improvement Authority, the Greater Bridgman Council for Growth and Advancement, and Bridgman High School. They took the space between Rockford's The Next Generation and Accent Shop and turned it into a public gathering spot with regular summer concerts. Ball says the city has always owned the property. The park still did help oversee it. We did water the flowers even before it became part of the parks department. We kept it looking clean and neat, leaf blowing, wiping down the tables, taking care of the umbrellas, things like that. So we still did basic maintenance, but now it falls directly underneath the parks department. Ball says the music will continue at the courtyard, but she's also planning to add other programming like a pickleball court, life-size chess pieces, and possibly a theatrical performance this summer. She says the courtyard really adds to the city's assets. We're like right downtown Bridgman, and I think that's going to add a better quality of life. And that's really what we're looking for is instead of going to the beach, let's come to the courtyard. You can walk downtown, look at the businesses, and then enjoy a concert on Friday night. Ball says you can stay on top of the schedule for the courtyard at the city's website. The Bridgman Downtown Courtyard was given a Community Excellence Award by the Michigan Municipal League last year. The Benton Harbor Area Schools Board of Education has given Superintendent Kelvin Butts a positive job rating. The board held the superintendent's annual performance evaluation last week with trustee Angel Creighton reading the results. The consensus finding for the evaluation was a 78% rating with a score of 3.1. This ranked Dr. Butts in the effective category. Effective is one step below the highest rating of highly effective. Trustee Ronaldo Triplett praised Butts. We just had an absolutely amazing session, and I just want to say congratulations to our superintendent. I really appreciate what you're doing. You're doing a good job. You stepped in when nobody else would. Butts thanked trustees for a spirited and intuitive evaluation, saying he has his marching orders and looks forward to continued work with the board. Butts has been serving as superintendent since the summer of 2022, but just had a contract finalized in October.
The South Haven Van Buren County Convention and Visitors Bureau has purchased a property in downtown South Haven. The Bureau says it doesn't yet have plans for the parcel at the southwest corner of Phoenix and Broadway, but it will use the site in ways that align with its strategic plan. Director Jennifer Sistrunk says her team will work to ensure the property is developed to support their mission and benefit both residents and visitors. The CVB will be engaging members to plan the property's development. Members of the CVB include area hotels, bed and breakfasts, resorts, vacation homes, and campgrounds. Sistrunk says the primary goal is to enhance South Haven as a destination. The site downtown is in a high-traffic area. People are honoring and remembering Don Alsbro, the founder of Lest We Forget. Alsbro passed away last week. He was 83. Lest We Forget, Vice President Lee Sherwitz tells us when the ideas for the first World War II reenactment event developed, it was Alsbro's networking skills that helped bring the whole thing together. He brought in people from all over the country to put on this event and to use all the connections available to him. He was a likable guy that you couldn't say no to. Sherwood says Osborne was a leader among leaders. He had a persona about him that drew people to him to want to help and want to do things. He had the vision and he brought in the people to make it happen. Lest we forget, President Larry Wozniak says Osbro had an enthusiasm for history and was a great asset to the community. Lest we forget, Ray Demosky says Osbro was big on education, having taught at Lake Michigan College and a bonding agent who brought people together. Demosky says he and Osbro traveled to Washington for the Medal of Honor ceremony honoring South Haven's Jim McLaughlin, and together they met many Medal of Honor recipients. Osborne will be honored at the Lest We Forget Tuscornia Beach Landing on June 22nd. A celebration of life will be held today at Stark's Funeral Home in St. Joseph. Citing power outages and high profits, a state representative from Wayne County has introduced legislation that would prohibit DTE Energy, Consumers Energy, and Indiana-Michigan Power from funding political campaigns or lobbying lawmakers. Garden City Democrat Dylan Wagala sponsored the bills, saying some of his constituents have lost thousands of dollars in food as a result of power outages. State-regulated utilities in Michigan are overseen by the Michigan Public Service Commission. The MPSC gets their directives from us and the legislature. Each year, these companies pour millions of dollars into campaigns and lobbying efforts, almost daring a legislator to enact regulations that would improve services but cut into their corporate profits. Wagala says residents need to break the stranglehold the utility companies have on state lawmakers. Public universities in Michigan would like to double the amount of money proposed by Governor Gretchen Whitmer in her latest budget. Dr. Daniel Hurley with the Michigan Association of State Universities explains the request. We have been asking for twice the rate of inflation when it comes to an increase in operating support. Back last fall, that figure would have been about 7.6%. The latest Federal Reserve forecast for FY25 uh, is uh, 2.6%, so double that, 5.2%. Speaking before a state house subcommittee, Hurley says the extra money would preserve campus assets and fund other capital projects. FEMA released their report of how much money they've used to help Michiganders after the storms and tornadoes that barreled through the state last year. More than 1,600 households in Michigan have been approved for grant funding, totaling more than $4.6 million through nine counties. Those grants went toward short-term rental assistance and home repair costs.
And fresh off a resounding defeat in South Carolina, Republican presidential hopeful Nikki Haley will be in Michigan today for campaign events ahead of the state's primary tomorrow. Haley is hosting a midday event in Grand Rapids at the Amway Grand Plaza. Haley vowing to stay in the race despite losing her home state by more than 20 points. She says there are no plans to drop out right now, and she wants to make it to Super Tuesday, March 5th, when 16 states will hold their primaries and caucuses. And finally, the state of Michigan is generating nearly $2 billion in online gambling revenue. That was last year's number. The American Gaming Association says when it comes to both in-person and online gambling, Michigan ranks fifth in the country in total revenue generated, with $3.6 billion overall to be exact. For Detroit's three casinos, data from the state says they paid Michigan over $99 million in wagering taxes for slots and table games last year. Michigan allowing online gambling for the first time started in 2021. In the WSJM Newsroom, I'm Ken Lundberg.